the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 2016 NAB Show. We're at the Advertising Theater right here at NAB 2016. My name is Ryan Treasure. I'm with voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. We're here with our CEO and president, Mr. Jeff Spinard, and a host of the Tech Cat Show, Lori H. Schwartz. Lori, how are you? Welcome. It's so great to be here. We are excited. They just actually opened the show floor here at NAB 2016, and everybody is rushing in. Lots of new pavilions, lots of exciting new technology, and we're, of course, about to kick off the show yes. at the Advanced Advertising Pavilion, really digging into the business of content, monetization, new advertising models, sponsorship, new tech. The booth's actually filling up, and we're really excited to kick off the first panel. How excited are you guys? Oh, I'm really excited. Uh, you know, I was uh, having a little bit of a tr- uh, uh, trouble sleeping last night. Uh, <laughs> so excited getting ready for the event. And, uh, you know, Robert and I had to take a couple of walks around the hotel oh, yeah. to uh, kind of wind down and get ready. So uh, definitely excited about being here today. And, uh, you know, NAB 2016, here we come. It is, you know, it is amazing. It's, ama- it's amazing I how busy like it is. I slept like a rock there. last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was nice. Oh. Yes, it is amazing. Uh, they just, the big countdown to open the gates. They had the big countdown session just a second ago, and it all came flooding in. But this is our industry playground. I'm excited. Well, we're, we're starting off today with the business of broadcast, broadcast being sort of the mothership for all things content. And the first panel is going to be about on-demand, how broadcast networks are utilizing on-demand platforms in their advertising plans. So I'm going to go introduce our, our host and our moderator for today, which is Chris Pizarro. And Chris is the head of product sales and marketing at Canoe, which is an advertising technology company that's focused on delivering inserted advertising into national television. So we're really getting into the real heart of the business of broadcast. It's very exciting. So I'm going to go introduce Chris. You guys keep up the business of content. (laughs) VoiceAmerica.com has been uh, broadcasting live online since 1999. Uh, We have eight genre-based channels of talk radio uh, 24-7 and bringing it to you with uh, 500 radio show hosts from around the world. So uh, stay tuned as we follow uh, the business of broadcast today at the Advanced Advertising Theater. And uh, we're going to turn it over uh, to the moderator of the event here. Welcome to the Advanced Advertising Theater. Give yourselves a hand. This is the first Advanced Advertising Theater ever. NAB 26 is launching to really get into what's going on in our industry, which is that real integration of broadcast, content, sponsorships, advertising, MarTech, AdTech, and all these wonderful things. So today we're focusing on the business of broadcast. And I can't think of a better topic to kick off our session today than to really get into what's going on in on-demand and how on-demand is evolving to really match with modern consumer behaviors, modern content needs, and really working in different sponsorship models. So to take us through this exciting day is Chris Pizarro, who has 25 years of experience in national media, strategy, marketing, and implementation. And I've known Chris for at least 10, 15 of those years? We started when we were 12. 
I know. I look fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. I can tell from your faces that you're like, no way. She's 12 years old now. Anyway, Chris has 25 years. He comes from Canoe, and he's head of product sales and marketing at Canoe. And Canoe is an advertising technology company focused on delivering dynamically inserted advertising to national TV. So Canoe really functions as the center of this fulcrum for all the networks to really move forward in this space. And Chris has a fantastic panel. So let's have the big hand getting into the business of broadcast on demand. Chris Bizarro, take it away. Great. Thank you, Laura. Welcome, everyone. Hope you have a great week here. Um, I will uh, just go down the line and let our panelists uh, introduce themselves. As you see, they are in the thick of uh, on-demand in terms of my business of uh, cable video on-demand, but also the broader aspect of over-the-top and TV everywhere um, and uh, their own platforms when it comes to internet delivered television. So it won't just be on demand in terms of VOD, but in terms of the consumer accessing their broadcast programming whenever and however they want. And of course, the business slash advertising associated with that. Um, so I will go down the line and start with Chris Faulkner from uh, NBCU. Uh, good morning, Chris Faulkner from NBC Broadcasting. Uh, work on advanced TV, which kind of covers the gamut of everything that uh, uh, Chris was mentioning from uh, really monetizing all of our content in all the various places it can go. I'm Dave Morris. I'm the Chief Revenue Officer of CBS Interactive, and in my role, I run ad sales for all of our digital properties, uh, but also report to both the head of interactive and the head of TV sales. And as those two worlds have come closer and closer together, I spend a lot of time in both groups trying to figure out where advertising is going, how people want to run with us, and what channels. So a very busy time for sure. My name is Josh Newman. I manage all of the ad tech and analytics for Fox Networks Group. That is also Josh Newman in the picture over there, but that's a guy who's running for Congress in the South Bay, <laughs> in California. Very nice guy. I've traded emails with him in the past, and I think... So, do he, we have to provide equal time? We, we do. There's equal time. He actually got a, uh, a nice gift basket from Costco that was, for me, I let him keep it last Christmas. But. I'll send them a note after this. <laughs> anyway, uh, at Fox, we've created a new group called the Advanced Advertising Division, which is headed by my boss, a man named Joe Marchese, who was part of a company we bought called Truex. So we've really sort of taken a, a startup-oriented approach to on-demand advertising that I'll speak to during the panel. Yeah. And uh, I'm John Curran. I'm the Director of Media Analytics at RSG Media. And RSG Media is really a data-driven solutions provider that helps to uh, optimize schedules for media companies such as yourself. For instance, promo schedules and uh, commercial schedules. So today what I'll be talking about is also how we're using that data to come up with plans to actually facilitate what you guys are trying to do with selling uh, linear and VOD, OTT, and the rest of digital on the same uh, to your advertisers across the board. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for being here. So, Chris, that going down order worked so well. I'll start off with you. Uh, specifically, let's talk about this upfront season because that really is the driver for broadcast in terms of the advertising side of the business. So what's your go-to-market strategy, uh, again, as far as on-demand, but even broader, your entire upfront sales strategy? Uh, well, I don't sit in our sales organization, so I don't, I won't uh, comment on specific things and mess up any of the discussions they're having. But you know, our whole philosophy is that content is content, 
So if you are an advertiser and want to be in Blacklist or The Voice or The Kardashians or any one of the housewives, um, wherever that is, you know, we provide the content. Wherever it is, we'll have advertisers that will run in all those places, whether it's on your phone, whether it's on an app in the iPad or a connected over-the-top device or the linear broadcast or even the on-demand stuff uh, in, in any of those forms. So um, you know, we look at content everywhere and sell across all those things. And then I think you've seen in all of the headlines uh, over the past month or so that we'll also look and say, if you are interested in upscale women that are auto intenders, we'll find those across all of our platforms, all of our shows, and deliver those to you. So it doesn't matter. It's not just the 10 o'clock airing of Blacklist. It's Blacklist everywhere it is. Mm -hmm. It's all of our networks across the board. Mm -hmm. And how is that? going? I mean, is that, is that the vision or is that uh, you're at an interim step at the beginning? You know, where are you in terms of that sort of delivering on that promise uh, from a technical and operations from your point of view? Well, I think operationally, we're ready to do these things. We've been working for years to, um, as, as Dave mentioned, the, the blending of linear television and, and quote unquote digital. Um, getting those to work together. How do you how do you take a, a campaign and let it run across all those platforms um, to, and make it easy for an advertiser? So we've been working on that for a long time, um, and I think we're there. I think we've been there for a while. Um, you know, the, the promise of all these other how do you buy? Uh, everybody's talking about it. The agencies are talking about it. The agencies are buying that way. Um, you know, I think it's it, it's a start. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dave, same thing. What do you, what do you, yeah. are you guys going see this up front? How do you see it playing out? It yeah. seems to be a robust upfront market, at least that's what some of the indicators are based upon the scatter market. How's the business looking from your point of view? Sure. So, uh, from CBS's perspective, I will, I'm, I'm in the sales group. So, I think this panel is great because you get technology, how we take that technology, and then sell advertising against it. What I won't be doing is giving you the CBS strategy for the upfront sales district. I would not make it off this panel before it shot hit me right in the head. Uh, but we are predicting a robust upfront. Last year's upfront wasn't as strong. Going into this year, all the signals are great. Uh, the big broadcast advertisers, whether they be QSRs or packaged goods or cars, are spending right now. Uh, so economy is strong. Uh, the scatter market has been the most robust, uh, biggest scatter market we've seen in terms of premiums in that market in years. So third and fourth and into first quarter scatter market is great. So that leads to what we think is going to be very strong upfront. The way we approach it, and that I can tell you, is that we work together side by side with the TV team and the digital team sitting down, working with an advertiser to figure out how do they want to buy from CBS. Uh, broadly against uh, age demographics as their base, and then building on that base very, various levels of targeting, whether it be linear optimization or one-to-one -one addressability in all of our digital properties, OTT, VOD, online video, and we build what we call a pyramid. So at the top of that pyramid, you have first party matches one-to-one, -one, and at the bottom of that period, which is the base, and the big base is gonna be demographic agent demo. That's the way we see it transpiring. I can say that the VOD and OTT market is very robust. Uh, we're very excited about that marketplace mm -hmm. today and into the near future. I think addressability, true one-to-one -one addressability at scale across every TV set is five years away. That's my prediction. In between now and then there's going to be multiple steps 
and gradations of targeting uh, on television or on the television screen. Uh, and I think VOD and OTT is one that we're most excited about right now because it's a uh, dynamic uh, marketplace right now where at least in VOD you can't change out the ad, certainly in OTT you can. Uh, people are coming to it in droves. I see people all the time, you know, outsider industry, cocktail parties, we'll talk about what's new and hot in TV and I'll talk about OTT and they're like, what's that? I said, it stands for over the top. And well, I don't do that. I'm like, do you watch Netflix? They're like, yes. I'm like, you do OTT. Uh, that's the Trojan horse. That's getting people comfortable with that platform. Uh, and as things like CBS All Access, CBSN, which are two OTT products we've got come into that marketplace, we just see nothing but growth in OTT. So VOD and OTT, I think, is the next best place to be for targeting on TV, and we're all over it. Great. Well, I, I said after 25 plus years in the business, Laurie, I said, my mother finally knows what I do. She said, oh, the Chris, he puts the ads in the on-demand. <laughs> That's it. That's now good. she finally knows what we do, and we're good. So yes, yeah. that, the litmus test there. Yes. Um, Josh, same thing. Where how are you guys uh, setting yourselves up, both technically, business size, what you can speak to in terms of going into the upfront? So I think to put it in a frame that your mother would understand, <laughs> we're thinking about how many of the ads to have you put in the OTT. Uh, when we bought the company Truex, that is now fully integrated into the Fox Networks Group Advanced Ad Product. Uh, advertising group, we focused on their technology, which is the engagement app, uh, and they value human attention with the engagement ad by not having the advertisers pay unless someone fully engages with a piece of advertising for 30 seconds. And that creates a much different dynamic than's being offered by our digital competitors, YouTube, Facebook, etc. One, it gives advertisers a guaranteed interaction. Uh, two, it changes the value exchange between the consumer who's giving their attention in exchange for the content by valuing it much more highly. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that you, you essentially, when you get into a, a television ad load, that doesn't correlate to people's view of time on the internet. Things move much more quickly on the internet and therefore you need to give them something of value much more quickly, you can watch a Truex engagement ad or Fox Networks Group engagement ad and get the whole rest of the stream ad-free by engaging up front. And the dynamic of the monetization actually works for us uh, on that because advertisers are willing to pay significant amounts in order to grab that human attention. Right. So that's how we're thinking about it, that it, it's not about stuffing more advertising into these on-demand platforms, but it's about giving people a value exchange that makes sense in an internet world. Right, and, yeah. And, and where are you, same sort of thing in terms of the progression of that, so where is that available today? I would assume online yep. and no one's touching their TV set yet or something? Like Correct, so you know, we're looking at, uh, it's currently available on all of our um, IP-based on-demand platforms for Fox. NFX, and it, it's available on Hulu as well, and we'll look to some of the OTT devices over the course of the next few quarters. Great. Uh, so, so, John, seeing where all these folks are, what do you see? You know, what, what do you see the demand from the, well, the, the networks you work with or talk to? Well, it's really interesting because it's really all about uh, creating the probability of a conversion. And, this, and in this aspect, it's an advertiser; they want somebody to see an ad running on your network and actually purchasing 
what they're what they're advertising. So you know, you guys were talking about addressability and engagement, and how in the digital world it's a lot easier. It's it's easier for right now to be able to hit that. But as you were talking about earlier, bringing that to linear with advanced advertising stuff like Viacom Vantage, you know, for a Turner audience now, what you're doing with, with ATP at NBC. We've actually already seen success in linear when it comes to optimizing promo schedules. You know, we've been working with Viacom, and uh, they utilize our machine learning algorithms that literally run over a hundred thousand uh, simulations before choosing the best result to optimize their schedules. And it's all about affinity. It's all about me using the data to measure uh, program affinity. If you watch this show, and you're and you also watch this show, let's say there's like the audience for Shannara, which is a new MTV show, let's say 20% of them also watch Teen Wolf. Well, there you you know at that point that there's a, there's a level of affinity. So if I air my Shannara promo in Teen Wolf, I have a more higher probability of converting those folks who are watching Teen Wolf that aren't currently watching Shannara. And I feel like that's when it goes into uh, advertising as well, is what you can do is you can say, that you know, moms that are currently using are buying Pampers, but are open to buying Huggies, tend to watch these shows, and you can prove that to your advertisers in a linear marketplace. That's something we haven't been able to do before. It's always been age gender, but now you're moving past age gender. I know we're talking a lot about digital right now, but linear, where all like all the really really uh, huge budgets are still coming into digital. Like you said, five years from now, who knows? It may overtake OTT and VOD. May overtake. No, five years from now, it's all one thing. Yeah, it's right. Not it's not overtaking, it's just it. Right, right. So, I mean, my, my question to you guys is really, what is the important data that you see out there? Because well, we, we work with data, and we're really data agnostic. Even though we've been working in this industry for a long time, and we have our preferences, we understand it, we understand what you guys need out of it. But in your opinions, what do you think is the most valuable data for your advertisers, like to be able to, to prove yeah. from your program? Well, I'll speak for the advertisers that I talk to every day, meetings that we've had for the past three months because uh, Turner, Viacom, Fox recently announced with Clipped, I think, as your partner. Uh, you guys have been talking about it for a year. Uh, linear optimization of, of network television is a big, hot topic. Last year, in the upfront, Jack Meyer said that less than 1% of upfront dollars transact on that data. Uh, this year, it'll be more. But the question is, is it, is it two or three or four percent? It's not going to be five, six, ten percent. So it could be triple, but it's still 97 percent going to be on agent demo, I believe. But we're talking about a $70 billion marketplace, so each uh, basis point is worth a lot of money. So as that grows, it becomes an important market that we're paying attention to. The problem is this. When we talk to all these different companies, we're talking about walled gardens of our own indexes against our own data. And all those indexes, therefore, are different. So a 130 on CBS indexed against moms who buy Huggies and a 130 that you might have could be different because your inputs are different. Right. Uh, and doing it against indexes against network television with shows average 10, 12 million viewers versus cable where it might be under a million, again, those indexes are very hard to run across. So here's my point. We need a platform that advertisers, agencies can plug into where they can see like data sets. So to your answer, I need, we need data sets that work across all the networks and cable companies so that people can plug into it and then we can bring in bespoke or customized data. Mm -hmm. Certainly we're gonna bring in our pricing and we can only allow certain advertisers to look at our first party data. 
but we need a baseline of data across that people can buy against. We need a buying platform that does not exist today. Uh, and until it exists, it's going to be very hard for agencies to optimize schedules because you can't optimize across the plan if everybody does has different inputs and therefore different outputs. And, and, and everyone's essentially grading their own homework then in that case, right? If you're putting in your inputs and you have your results, there's kind of no way to, like you said, unless there's yes. some sort of standards base, then how are you going to... Yeah, I mean, optimization of linear TV is good for both parties. It helps us run our inventory more efficiently, so therefore we have less waste. That's a good thing. It helps our clients target better. So this is like, you know, clean air. Everybody wants it, it makes sense. It's just hard to get there today. That's great. Um, Lori seems to have a question yeah. from the uh, audience, so uh, yeah. fire away. All right, just a quick question. Um, and to your point on data sets, as a content developer, you know, trying to obviously get our content across these platforms, obviously each of the platforms has different requirements and sizes, and so if you're looking to create information that's coming from a common source, so i.e. a piece of content or an advertising campaign or so, that what we create as creators, what would you say would be like the optimal package of content we could create in order for you to use that one, you know, idea in order to gain this, um, I would say, um, credible uh, reflection on um, data points from the different platforms? It's a great question which I don't entirely understand, so I'm going to turn it to Chris to answer that. Are you talking about the, the con, a piece of content, or are you talking yeah. about the data points associated with that content? Well, I'm trying to reflect to his point on we need data sets, and I'm thinking yes. that as a content developer, sorry, I'm a communicator, that's terrible. So as a content developer, um, I've got a story I want to share, and I want it to get across all these platforms. But I know you know you need the three seconds for the advertising banners. You need the thirty seconds for the commercial, et cetera. I'm asking for your advice about what ideally we can create as deliverables um, on a story to allow you to use your data set or your well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Forget. Do you get it? Chris, so I, 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 so it might be I can partially answer it and, and maybe I'll hone in on what you're asking. You know, I think program content itself, so the actual show itself, obviously different, um, I'll call them devices, different ways people watch them. They want different, you know, links of content and different things. If you're, if you're watching that giant thing hanging on your wall, you know, you might sit for an hour and Look, we do linear television. It's really hard to do linear television if you, you know, have shows that are seven minutes and thirty-six seconds long. You, you know, things go to hours, and we, we change shows at the half hour of the hour. So there's different lengths of content. Um, I think the data sets we're talking about are more looking at the advertising itself and different devices. Um, a little bit immaterial of whether it's a three-second ad or a five-second ad that's running on your phone. It's more the fact that it's on your phone and I have a certain amount of information I can get back from a phone that tells me about the viewer. Um, and again, a phone is kind of a one-to-one -one generally, um, although I, I've seen people huddled around a phone like five people all watching the same funny video, um, versus again, the big screen in your, in your living room. You know, that's often a shared experience or more likely to be a shared experience. Um, and they have different sets of data. You know, I don't necessarily know everything. I may, may know about what house that television is sitting in and 
what it's displaying. Mm. Um, I probably don't have a one-to-one -one, um, other, you know, of saying that this is Chris sitting in front of this television watching this show. Um, right now, I think some of those data sets are coming online. Uh, more and more connected TVs have capabilities of understanding what's displayed. Um, irrespective of where it's coming from, it doesn't really care if you're watching input A, which is your cable, or whether you're in HDMI 3, which is your Roku, or your Apple TV, or whatever. If you're displaying the Kardashians, it knows you're watching the Kardashians. Um, so I think those are some of the data sets we're talking about from an advertising perspective of being able to say, this person or this collection of people saw this ad, and they have these characteristics around them. So, did I fake it and get close? Uh, no, right, not, well, at all. Well, okay. not at all. I thought we'll, that was pretty we'll, good. We'll come back to it. So let's just pull one out. General Motors making a three-second yes. bump, a, a thirty-second ad for TV, a two-minute interactive experience for digital. Is that? Is it helpful for creators to think beyond like just producing for online or just producing a commercial, but actually I mean, I to create on this story? I'll answer, and then these guys can correct me. But of, I mean, I think just like we talked about the different devices. Different devices have different usage patterns and usage characteristics. People have different tolerances for what ad creative should be. If you're going to watch a three-minute clip of Jimmy Fallon, please don't run me a two-minute ad before the three-minute clip. You know, I, I'm not going to be happy about that. So, so certainly, different devices, different you know physical screen sizes. You know, if you run, if I'm looking at my iPhone and you have text that's like two pixels tall, it's not really very helpful to me. But on my 60-inch television, you know, I might be able to read it. So certainly, ad creators need to think about the different devices, think about the content they're going to be paired with, and create creative that meshes well with that. Josh, how are that you have this creative tag, mm -hmm. uh, how do you guys handle the creative with your less is more theory? Is this in-house? It is. Do you look to so outside creators? How do the, you? the company that we purchased, Truex, uh, almost two years ago now, has in-house creative teams, and they can take either basic assets from an agency or an advertiser and work with the agency to, to do the interactive ad, or they can do an overall sort of soup to nuts development process where they, they create that advertising. But I think. You know, it speaks to one of the biggest challenges that the industry faces, which is just a poor advertising experience in general on nonlinear devices. When you sit in front of, you know, Hulu or Fox Now and get the same ad multiple times in the experience in a stream, that's not good for consumers. And there's a bit of a lack of creative diversity. The number of creatives that a shop will give us. Uh, you know, all of these things need to be part of the overall conversation. And I think, you know, my boss has, has said that ad blockers are one of the best things that's happened to the industry. And that's obviously not necessarily true from a revenue perspective, but his point is that we need to take it back down to zero and get it to a point where that exchange between the consumer and the content provider is equal again, right? So that they are giving their attention, which has tremendous value in getting something valuable in exchange for it and not being annoyed by the advertising, not being given overly repetitious advertising, and that everybody's sort of happy with, with that exchange as it exists. Mm -hmm. 
John, yeah. comment? Question. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, Lori, get a mic over here, but we're going to go to John and then we'll... Uh, oh, no, 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 I'd like to hear your, hear your question. Uh, Tribune Media, David Murray. The currency, the data currency, what, what's the blocker? Where's the walls? When do the walls come down? It seems like a chicken and egg. I can speak to that a little bit. I think it, a lot of it comes down to the relationships with the distributors, with the MVPDs, who have traditionally viewed the end consumer as their consumer. The broadcaster did just that for decades. You sent your stuff out, and where it went was defined by a single company in Nielsen. And if there was a credit card relationship or a direct consumer relationship, that was with the distributor, the MVPD, your Time Warner, your Comcast, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's all changing, and I think that when we do our renewal discussions, we as Fox Networks Group have pushed the envelope on the data discussions, on the advertising discussions with our distributors, but it's going to be a whole new world where data is just another value point, right? Where the distributors don't have the stranglehold on it because they can't, whether it's Netflix, Amazon, Apple, or whether it's Fox, CBS, NBC everybody will be able to get some data and contribute it to the pie. I think you know, the problem is that we don't have that single standardized view and the ability to, for everybody to collectively agree on how that gets put into a, a proposal. What drives that? I mean, where, where does that where, what drives it? I mean, what, what, where's the funnel going to come together? The, the buyers drive that. So right now, Nielsen is currency. Nielsen will remain the currency until there's a new currency. And uh, yeah, we've been pushing Nielsen, everybody's been pushing Nielsen to do new, different, more innovative things, to measure different screens uh, and different ways people consume, whether it be out of home or on devices or on OTT and VOD. Uh, Nielsen's not there. So I think what will drive that is Rentrack Comp Score, that combination, two big companies coming together, uh, that can give Nielsen some competition that they heretofore have not had. So uh, I hear all the time that agencies and buyers are willing to take a look at a different currency of payment until we actually get the RFP or do the deal or go to the upfront and it's Nielsen on demo. So right. uh, you hear a lot of things in meetings, you hear a lot of things on panels of things that are, um, yeah, would be great, but they're not really uh, reality in terms of what we face every day uh, in the marketplace. So Nielsen is it until I think somebody like Comscore Rentrack comes along, combination of new company, uh, bringing impression-based um, data and impression-based measurement um, that is, we've been very comfortable with billing off of in the digital side for years and years, so I think that can drive some competition, but it's still new. Yeah, so John, you guys, you help these broadcasters take all these other data points, mm -hmm. sell a little differently, but it does come down to the currency. So do you, do you see folks or the networks being to sell on the insights, or is it still just come down well, to, that, a, to a Nielsen currency? And that's the thing, and yes, so you are, like networks are obviously selling on it, but like I was speaking to uh, before, it's like, you know, I have a friend who uh, works in Mindshare, heads up the Amex group, and he was telling me, he's like, he asked me, John, is this, like I said before, the Viacom ban, is the NBC, ATP, the advanced targeting, is that real? And I told him, yes, it is real. I've seen the data, it's not smoke and mirrors, and then his problem was, is that like what you said, first party data, it's, I'm gonna guarantee you this, and then I'm gonna deliver this to you. So what you really need is like what you were talking about earlier, a company to come in, which we are actually working with, with a couple of our clients right now, to act, and media agencies and networks, to actually put all that data, at least in the same platform, so you can look at it side by side, but even like digital data, I mean, like through, through Google, Google Analytics, 
and uh, free wheel data and all, and all other data sources. Like people are kind of like you. You don't get the same measurement for the same show from the same source. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's what you have to have. You have to come to a common ground, and then people are going to buy and sell it, and it, it'll be the true new currency. But until then, there's still you can optimize based on the current currency. You know, just for Nielsen demographic demographic data. For one of our clients, we are actually optimizing their commercial logs, just placing just placing units that are associated with deals that have guaranteed demos into a better performing position on the log within their deal constraints. Just making slight moves, and we've saved and we saved them over uh, t uh, over ten million dollars last year. You know, and they made and they, and they brought in about four hundred million dollars in ROS inventory. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that's a pretty good lift right there. That's driving down liability. So there are things that you still can do. You can use data to optimize. And once the currency is there, well then, you know, the sky's the limit. So we don't necessarily have this holy grail of the world changed, but there's pockets of yeah. successes that are going on. Well, what do you think I, about Nielsen's total ratings point? What do you guys think about what they're coming out with? John, what's with the questions? I'm the, yeah, I'm, I'm the moderator. I'm interested. I want to hear from them. No, I, Sorry. Anything that uh, measures across screen, so yeah. a total rating point across all the screens, uh, and and all channels within those screens, OTT versus VOD, separate uh, online video, mobile versus desktop. Uh, when we get there, that's that's great. I mean, because then we're getting paid for everything that we put out there. We're getting paid for everything we put out there now. We're just doing it across two different currencies, impression-based and demo-based. And we'd love to see it uh, be one currency. It would make buying across all platforms that much easier, but they're doing it today, and they're doing it pretty successfully today. I mean, agencies have been optimizing TV plans for years. That's what they do. That's part of their secret sauce. So now today, with better data sets, more data, better data management platforms, that's just going to get better. And the targeting against shows and day parts will just get better, and we're all for that. That's good stuff. It's all part of this gradation to pure addressability there are going to be really nice steps along the way that make the TV marketplace that much more robust. Yeah, and funny you bring that one up, Dave, that uh, for those of, you, those of us who have been around in TV for a whole bunch of years on the advertising side, right, some people say, well, not that much has changed, right? I used to know who car auto intenders were, but it may have come from a Simmons study, and I think the key now is that that Simmons study would maybe be three or six months old. Um, whereas there's some new data that someone could buy or purchase that might be they know what day auto intenders were yesterday or the day before, right? So it's more about it quicker, better, faster, yep. coming into the system, you guys enabling, mm -hmm. helping these folks optimize on that. Um, so that's what I'm hearing is it's, a, you know, well, not much has changed, but a lot has changed because you can react much quicker uh, and deliver that way. And again, Chris. we're able to use we're able to use people's first party data. If it's if it's American Express that somebody mentioned American Express, if it's American Express as the advertiser, American Express knows a lot about their customers and a lot about the people who aren't their customers that they want to be their customers. Right. And we're now able, and I say we, I think the royal we here are able to use that type of data now, whereas before you may not have been able to use that. And actually, so I think there, it's, it's about more sets of data. Dave said it, it's, it's, it's incremental change. It's not gonna be a waterfall where, you know, on X date, suddenly we're all gonna transact on a different data set. It's gonna, 
there's going to be pieces of transactions. There's going to be pieces of business that move. I mean, I, I think we'll see stuff in the upfront this year. We've seen stuff in other markets that are moving um, using this technology. And that's what's different, is that we're now able to take in so much more data and process it mm -hmm. and, and do better targeting. So we've heard a few different answers. Yeah, we've heard a few different answers to your question being some is cable operator data, some is client data, some is data that these guys individually have in their, from their networks. Dave, I assume you get, you guys own CNET. I mean, I assume you have some digital yeah, right. data that you can read yep. in also. No short supply data. No short supply. Just so question it's, what it really you do is with it. E, all of the above, is sort of where it plays out. Yeah, question. Um, fear from MDocs, Fear Daniel. I have a question about privacy. Um, when we talk about using the data that customers maybe have browsed on their websites or coming question. from Toyota, from American Express, what happens in essence of privacy? Do, do, the, do the end user have to opt in to a personalized advertising program? Do they have to say, you can use my data to target me? Mm -hmm. That's great. So Josh, maybe from a Truex point of view, because you guys actually ask people to opt in and even give you information, how do you approach that? Yeah, I mean, look, I think, again, it comes down to value exchange, right? That when a consumer is providing information, whether it's passively or actively, they have to be aware that they're doing that. And we have very strict privacy agreements on our all of our interactive experiences. Uh, a consumer should never be surprised to see an ad that's related to something that they browsed or, or looked at in some other environment. They should never have the experience that borders on creepy, right? And we work very hard to prevent that. And you know that, again, comes down to uh, the value of the engagement ad, because you can gather information just by how people interact with the ad. You don't need their email address. You don't need their name. You don't need anything that comes even anywhere close to PII. And that definition of PII is constantly changing based on regulations, based on what's happening in the courts. So, you know, giving someone a valuable experience, something that is not annoying, I think is the first step, right? And, and that allows them to feel more comfortable to say, okay, well, let me choose this advertisement. You know, whether they're doing something like that where you can choose an advertiser on Hulu, right? That just provides a simple data set that you can then uh, extrapolate from and, and drive incremental value without ever making someone feel like their privacy has been violated. Dave, I mean, great question. What's CBS's Yeah, I mean, from the CBS Interactive perspective, uh, we have uh, privacy agreements on all of our websites. So again, people are not surprised by how we track them. We explain it. Uh, and if they're on our sites, they know what's happening. Uh, but as long as the data is anonymized and it's not uh, against a name and address, but an IP address, uh, and that we're respectful of PII, then that's fine. So uh, we don't see it as a major concern. All of the partners that we talk to in the data world that bring data in, either mobile, because we've been talking to a lot of people about mobile data because uh, that data set is harder to get. Uh, they all, they'll give you 20 minute chapter and verse on privacy and, and how they work through all the privacy angles. So uh, very respectful of people's personal information, private information, uh, and just need to be very careful uh, on how we advertise to those people. But it's anonymous data is what we're looking at. And I do note from our canoe point of view that all of the cable video on demand ads being placed for all these fine gentlemen, we are adhered to the Cable Act of 1984 which is uh, privacy on device ID, household ID, uh, all sorts of 
reams and reams of legal uh, that we uh, go against. So we can't even pass those things onto uh, their uh, tech stacks. Right? So that's held within Canoe, and we just pass on to them, again, anonymized impression data. Um, so we're, we're held to that Cable Act of 1984. Um, all right, switch gears um, a little bit. And there are, even right here, there's folks like Wide Orbit or Syntech Media, and um, there's Freewheel and Google DFP, various um, campaign managers or ad decision engines that can drive this, this business. Um, and also, those are now opening up to marketplaces. Mm -hmm. So, um, Chris, maybe start with you in terms of um, what are those hooks today? How do you utilize these companies on the digital side, on the linear side? Is there going to be one that will rule all from a technical point of view? Or, you know, where's, where does, where do all these folks fit into this? Mm. Good luck with that. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, a real sh easy question there, Chris. Um, <laughs> So, look, we, we currently use, we have a system that is a linear, our linear television system, and then we have a, uh, a system freewheel that is all of our I, digital uh, properties. So, at, at the moment, I, they, they have not merged together. Um, I think we've talked about this continuum of getting to addressable advertising. If everything moves to one-to-one -one advertising, and I'm not saying it will, or in the next two years. Mm -hmm. um, there are systems that are designed to handle that. I mean, if that's what essentially Freewheel is built to do, or any of the digital ad platforms mm -hmm. are meant to, I have an ad slot, tell me what ad I should put in the slot, drop that ad in and do it. So um, I, I'm not sure if I answered your no, question. No, a a absolutely. Um, yeah, and from, Dave? Yeah, our Dave. perspective, uh, because we've run a large digital business, half for years. We've been in the programmatic space for six or seven years. And we have an amazing amount of ad tech companies in between our content and the consumer. Uh, and they're all taking money along the way, and it drives us crazy, but we cannot do business without them. They're good partners. Uh, they help us on our yield management. They help us on our data. They help us on uh, getting the ads to the right place at the right time. So it's, you know, MarTech and ad tech is a uh, necessary part of our business. I won't say necessary evil because a lot of my friends are in that business. It's a necessary part of our business. What we don't want to see in the TV business, which has been uh, a very straightforward business uh, and extremely uh, profitable business for the broadcasters, we don't want to see uh, 50, 100, 200 companies in ad tech and martech move in in between the broadcaster and the consumer taking uh, a piece of that dollar every step of the way. So. Uh, while I'll talk to and we talk to all these companies here, uh, we don't do business with most of them because they don't do it for free. Uh, we do business with the ones that we've had relationships with for a long time. Uh, we're pushing them to uh, optimize, integrate, and innovate all the time, and they are. And then when someone comes along and has a new or better idea, better mousetrap, we're going to take a look at it, and if it works, we're going to buy it. Uh, but for verification, for viewability, for fraud detection, for ad blocking detection and ad blocking recovery and 10 other things. Uh, we're doing business with companies that we never been, did business with before, spending millions of dollars a year in that kind of ad tech. I don't know how small publishers do it. I, you know, Small, long-tail publishers, they can't do all this stuff. They don't have the budget for it. So uh, it's a necessary part of what we do. Uh, I think it separates us from a lot out there uh, in terms of our ability to 
identify and avoid fraud, uh, to provide fantastic viewability across all these screens. All this stuff's important stuff. Uh, programmatic Guaranteed is a beta program from Google, DoubleClick, DoubleClick's our ad server, not on Freewheel. We're the only network not on Freewheel. Freewheel is owned by uh, NBC Comcast. That might be one of the reasons, I don't know. Um, and I love the Freewheel people. They're good people, good friends of mine. And we're talking uh, because there is a Chinese firewall between Freewheel and the rest of what they do, believe me, and I believe that. Um, so we're talking all these different companies out there, and, and who does the best at uh, getting these ads out there? Here's the deal. In television, consumers expect a 5-9 experience. You know what 5 nines is? 99.999% of the time, that ad runs flawlessly. And if you're on TV, 5 nines is the standard. When you're on the internet, if the ad happens to load and run right side up, it's fantastic. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, we run our ads uh, across all these platforms, but the internet obviously uh, can be a little bit kludgier depending on are you on 3G or 4G or LTE? Are you on your iPad or your phone or your desktop? And it's a lot about the connectivity into your home, uh, not necessarily how we're ad serving it. So uh, we're pushing uh, DoubleClick for automation and they are delivering that. Programmatic Guaranteed is a way to bring automation and it's a direct sold program. We direct sell it. We match up the seller with the advertiser, and then we hand it off to Google in a programmatic guaranteed uh, pilot that we're in, and it saves on the I.O., it saves on pricing, which is already in the system, and it saves on a lot of back and forth manual uh, emails and paperwork. Uh, and that we're excited about and looking at as, you know, that's an iteration of where they might head towards more autom automation in video delivery. So a lot of good companies out there. Uh, we talk to them all. We use very few of them. Uh, and the ones that we do use, we expect a 9-9 delivery across our digital platforms and our linear platforms, and we get that. Which is, by the way, the terms in my service agreement to CBS, 99.99. <laughs> um, Josh, same thing in terms yeah. of campaign managers and systems you utilize? Sure, I would, I would say for us, the, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing is to simplify the tech stack, right? That we don't want to create a a Frankenstein of best in breed here for this piece and best in breed here for that piece. That consistency for advertisers, the ability to have a single insertion order flow through all of our nonlinear platforms, including Set-Top Box VOD, including Hulu, and including uh, all of our owned and operated digital properties, and that same advertising can then float onto things like our at content on Xfinity. That can all be done through a single system. For us, that system is freewheel. So for all of our video advertising, one I.O., one piece of creative, press a button and it goes to all of those different platforms. Um, you know, that said, we need to be able to innovate so that happens through our team and, and looking at all of the new partners out there. But, uh, you know, I think we're at a stage where what people want is that consistency of delivery. They want to be able to ensure that what they buy actually happens. Uh, and that's something we focus on at Fox. Great. All right, well, uh, we're uh, about out of time. Um, to sum up, hopefully you got that the TV broadcast business is absolutely robust. Uh, as far as advanced advertising playing in there, I think we see a lot of, I call it beyond test and learn. I mean, we're actually doing things. Uh, maybe it's one, two, three, four, five percent of the business right now. Uh, but I think as you pointed out, Dave, even 1% of 90 
70 yeah, billion. It's, yeah, is, is, can be a significant amount of, uh, of business. So with that, uh, thank you everyone for your attention and have a great show.